You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I discuss our expectations for outdoor recreation participation in 2023. How will participation rates continue to be affected by changes in remote work? the rising cost of outdoor-related hard goods, and potential shifts back to pre-pandemic activities. Let's get into it. Let's talk about participation. Yeah, let's like pick up where we left off last time. We can we can roll our expectations for the 23 market sales. We're like right into expectations for 23 participation in our categories. Excellent. You might get some dog barking in this, but I think that's okay, considering that more than three quarters of all outdoor recreation participants are dog people. Whether it's your dog barking in the <laughs> mic or our listeners' dogs barking in the background, it's all going to wash out, you know? So maybe they just gossip with each other. There should just be a podcast <laughs> of just barking for dogs. Just I'm our just dogs. Gonna, I'm just yeah. going to freaking play that. Actually, I think my neighbors could do that. I'm just going to record their dogs at about two in the morning and it'll all be good. Oh, man. Uh, so what's going to happen to participation considering all of all of the shifts that we're seeing in in work behaviors and just in general, in terms yeah. of where people are living and how we're conducting ourselves. I'm, I'm, I think that we're in outdoor across the board. We've got 164.2 million. That's about 10 million more than we had in 2019. I'm guessing that we're that there'll be various activities where we will see decline. We're going to see sort of that giant interest that basically spiked in 2020 and went down a little bit in 2021. Mm-hmm. And that includes everything from road running to, you know, geez, you know, all of the adventure racing, even even tennis and golf saw a little bit of a decline from their peak in 2020. But what we didn't see was a, a decline in in the larger, more accessible activities, including walking for fitness. And hiking, which is basically walking on dirt. Yeah. We did not see declines in those huge, huge, huge activity areas. And I think that we're going to see the more people join them. I think we'll see a slight increase in, in both walking and in hiking as more people start walking. And then people that were walking suddenly discover walking on dirt is super fun too. And they can kind of get to places that they never considered going and they continue to have new experiences. I think in those two categories, we're, we'll, we'll do fine. But, you know, I think in less accessible categories like adventure racing and triathlon and even paddle sports, we'll probably see, you know, um, I'm not talking about, oh, shit declines. I'm talking about maybe a percentage point or two over the next two, three years. Then we'll see how things stabilize. We'll see how things settle as we get through, you know, our post-pandemic trend benchmarking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which which sounds boring as shit, but it's not actually because that's when we figure out, okay. You know, that's when we're going to be able to compare the variance between what was going on pre-pandemic and and now, you know, how we're going to be able to determine in actually pretty interesting detail um, how the how the pandemic actually did change us. I think that's going to be fun to do. They'll be fine. The activities that appeal to the segments of our society that are growing, you know, I mentioned in the last episode that one segment that's going to grow significantly is seniors. And I love them mm. because they've got time and money. Yeah. Although, you, you know, you can't you can't count on them to do like the super hardcore stuff. I mean, we're not going to have an 80 year old doing the Red Bull Rampage. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. That could happen. My father, who is 
in his 60s, almost 70s, is uh, an avid skydiver. So don't cut him out just yet, you know. Right. Get a wingsuit for that man. Let's see some of that. That's so I'm cool. sure it's on his list. My goodness. I mean, if if I if I end up with some horrible diagnosis, I'm going to start wingsuiting. <laughs> you'll know, you'll know what to expect. There are other segments. For instance, the Hispanic demographic is projected to grow by about 60 million and become a, probably double their percentage mm-hmm. in the U.S., We've got to do a better job of selling to that, that segment. I'll tell you what, that demographic group has a higher ridership participation rate than any other demographic group for bicycling. That's awesome. So you yeah. guys are going to be great. There are other there are other categories I haven't done quite as well and you know are, are not trying to do as well yet. Mm-hmm. But there will be some adjustments in our participant base. To be more inclusive is a great thing for outdoor. I mean, across outdoor. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about everything from hunting and shooting sports to adventure racing again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We'll all benefit from that. But yeah, it's it. I don't think that the most accessible activities are going to suffer very much. Mm-hmm. And there's some categories of bike that I definitely count in that. I mean, how many people don't know how to ride a bike in this country? Just out oh, of curiosity, do a, you know? What a great. No, I, I wish I knew. You know, that would be a hard survey question to ask because no one would want to admit that they don't know because right. I, I bet a lot of folks would have that like confirmation bias, like they want to tell you that they know because they might be embarrassed that they don't, which is, you know, like who cares? Uh, it's just I, I would have trouble accepting the results of any sort of survey data that 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 generated. Well, what I can describe is how expert. many households. Oh, thank you. Thank you. How many households <laughs> have operational bikes? And that's sort of like a proxy for. I think maybe not, maybe not knowing how to ride a bike, but it is a proxy for like the easiest access. Like if you have a bike, if you have an operational bike in your house, which 51% of American adults have an operational bike in their house or no, 48% have an operational bike An additional 3%. It's not operational, but they have a bike. So typically what that means is it's like a chain issue or they have flat tires and they just haven't taken it in. And this is all based on our 2022 People for Bikes U.S. Bicycling Participation Study, which we like just released, and I'll put a link in this episode description. Yeah, that's already tackled a huge barrier to participating in the activity is just having the equipment to do it. And 68% of kids live in a household with an operational bike. That's good. And I like that data. That's That's very utilitarian data. I guess what I'm getting at is... Do kids in our culture, they're expected to know certain things. They're expected to know how to swim, right? We got to teach kids how Mm -hmm. to swim. They're expected to at least be able to, you know, hang out outside and do stuff, which isn't really big. I mean, but bicycle riding, knowing how to ride a bike and knowing how to swim seem to be activities that for kids, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is, has that changed? That's such a good question. It might have. I'm not really sure. But what what we do know for sure is that there's been a trend since about 2016 of declining youth participation, which is a little bit troubling. Like we're, if we imagine the future of bicycling or the future of any outdoor rec activity, we would hope that there is some sort of population pyramid that's wide at the bottom that would, that would eventually create a larger population of adult participants who are making purchasing decisions and buying things to participate in that activity. What we're seeing now is still like half of the kids ages three to 17 are riding. I think it's like 48, 49%. But that's down compared to 
2020, 2018, and 2016. And so we've got a lot of work to do to make sure that cycling is an activity that's highlighted as a great way for kids to get outside and, and be be active and be healthy and maintain a healthy lifestyle and just have a bunch of fun doing a safe activity close to home that's easily accessible. Agreed. I mean, I think the same thing for hiking. I mean, the idea of a family yeah. hike being a, you know, a central family activity, which is great because it doesn't cost a lot. And, you know, hopefully it's fairly accessible or the family walk. Similarly, you can, you know, all you need really are shoes <laughs> <laughs> and the ability yep. to open a door. That's, yeah. you know, that's if a six-year-old, well, I'm going to, I think most six-year-olds could open a door. Let's put it that way. But the idea of making sure that outdoor, and that includes mm -hmm. bike, hike, you know, fishing, are ingrained in sort of the cultural fabric of, of our society. It is difficult to do. It's really, really important for us. When I was at Snow Sports, we looked a lot at, at what brought people into the market. And for the mm -hmm. most part, I mean, 80% of it was my family, you know, the, the family, the yeah. entire family skied. And it was just something that they did. They, it was expected, um, something that they did together. And it, that was, we saw that in decline. And that was, geez, that was 10 years ago. We saw that. And mm -hmm. you can see, you know, you can see declines in participation in snow sports, you know, even though the number of of season pass holders that are participating is at a record number. So Vale says in their in their Q1 report for this year, yeah. they said that skier visits were up like 12 and a half percent, which was amazing to me. Um, wow. Right. That's not even that's that's considering the lack of snow in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. But back back to the to the major subject. You know, I want to I think recess is is probably still one of the most important introductions to any outdoor recreation activity. When I was a kid, they did br bring bikes in. We did take bike safety courses. We were no helmets yet. Yeah, which is fine. Oh, but um, <laughs> the bike safety course is was very important to what we did. But, you know, I'm not sure that that's happening. And, and yeah. that's another sort of group of variables to watch is, you know, how are kids learning? How are kids learning about um, what they, you know, outdoor activities? Are they going out with their family? Or the, is it considered something that all kids know? Like it, it used to be considered mm -hmm. a thing. All kids knew how to ride a bike. And, my, and I grew up in San Diego. All kids knew how to swim simply for safety, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm interested in how those aspects of, of youth culture are changing and shifting. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a, a lot more about core and youth culture in upcoming episodes, but that is key to our participation pipeline. If if we're seeing, oh, and we, sure. are, we are seeing a decline, and this has been going on for about 15 years in, in my participation data, a decline in the average number of outings per, mm -hmm. per person in the U.S. So we've got about 54% of people participating. It used to be the average was over 90 outings. And that includes a lot of different types of activity. I mean, you can step out your front door and, and go for a walk. That's one. Um, maybe you, you are a runner. So add 100 to that. And I mean, you get the idea. It's down to below 75 now. I think it's at 73.7. Oh, wow. and, and that's, I mean, it's falling most acutely among youth. Why that's happening? Is it screen time? Is it, you know, what what is it about our society that is pushing that trend of the number of, of outings? For adults and kids, why is that falling? Is that a terrible thing for the market? Should we be doing more about that? Or should we be looking at, you know, the foundational aspects of, of outdoor? Mm -hmm. You know, when do kids learn? How do they learn? Who introduces them? What kinds of experiences are they having? Because those are the things that keep kids doing, that, that keep people bike riding, that keep people hiking, yeah. climbing, doing those skiing, the, all those things the rest of their lives and introducing young people to it when they're 
So yeah. I'm this is this is where my my attention is focused. So so we did do an episode on youth participation in December of 22 where where we sort of dive into this a little more detailed. I'm I'm going to share some data from that same bicycling participation study. We found that this is true for both kids and adults. There's a greater proportion of riders riding infrequently, like 1 to 5 days a year, and a greater proportion of riders riding extremely frequently over a hundred days a year. So and it's the it's the group in the middle that's, you know, once a month, give or take, up to a couple times a month, give or take, that are sort of dwindling. And and they're they're like finding their home on the poles of this spectrum, either very infrequently or super avid. And I'm not totally sure what to make of that. But I think in this iteration of the study, we found that more Americans are riding bikes than ever before. There's 108 people who rode a bike at least once in 22. And that participation rate of 34% is similar to what we've measured in the past. In 2014, we also saw 34%. But the absolute number of people riding is greater. How many is so, it? 108 million. Okay. Um, so if even if some of those riders just rode one day in 22... I think that that overcomes a significant barrier, which is just like finding a bike and getting on it, you know, and and we can zoom out to be any outdoor rec activity, just like committing to doing a thing and doing a thing is, is a huge barrier. You know, it's, it's one thing to say like, man, I would really love to go on a mountain bike ride. And if you do it once, like it's really easy to go, okay, well, maybe I can do that again. You know, like that wasn't so hard. It, it turns out I do have places close to home where I can go do this activity. And there is maybe a community of people who like doing this thing that I can hook up with and, and find a home there. And so while that frequency data isn't exactly what I would love, right? Like I would love for everyone to be a moderate or an avid participant. Um, I think it does indicate that we're doing an okay job of getting butts on bikes, which is a quick and dirty version of how I've described the people for bikes mission, getting butts on bikes. <laughs> oh, if only my industry were so focused. Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're interested in, in making sure that um, all U.S., citizens and anybody yeah. else that's hanging out here has every opportunity to access our public lands and our local parks. And, you know, we think that outdoor activity um, is positively correlated with health and that's both mental health uh, and yeah. physical health. And if yeah, I want my out. community to be better, I want it to be happy, well-educated, you know, calm. <laughs> so yeah. outdoor activity is really important to me and it's important to my community. I think that the, the outdoor amenities if they are, if they can be described as amenities, mm -hmm. um, but the the availability of really awesome outdoor activities makes my town an awesome place to live and brings tax dollars in that help me make sure that my community has high levels of education and and yeah. happiness and health. That's important to my community. That's why that's one of the reasons outdoors is so important to me, and personally and as professionally, obviously, because I think that it makes people just happier. And healthier. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to transition to a much less optimistic topic, <laughs> but like, yeah, th those are great factors that could positively increase participation. Uh, but if I'm thinking about what participation is going to look like in 23, there's also some factors that could push down. And um, what we've seen in cycle, at least, is that there is a greater concern about being hit by a motor vehicle and riding a bicycle in 22 than than we've measured since 2016, I think. Over half, 52% of 
the cyclists that took the survey indicated that they worried about being hit by a motor vehicle while riding. And that's a serious issue. We we had this period of time in 2020 where 200 plus cities across the U.S. changed their layouts to accommodate and encourage active transportation. So riding bikes and skateboards and scooters and all this stuff that like took over downtown areas during COVID. And a lot of people started doing those activities during this like grace period where there was no traffic and and um, traffic patterns were adjusted. 21 and 22, we've all gone back to pre-pandemic traffic patterns and we're, you know, we might not be going to the office Monday through Friday, nine to five, but there's plenty of cars on the road. And, and some of those new, maybe infrequent participants are finding that it's not quite as safe as it was when they started in 2020. And that's an issue. Bike is going to have to do a lot of work to figure out how we create a safe place for them to recreate. Because like you said, you know, we, you value your community because it has a lot to offer and and close to home. Mm -hmm. And there's such great potential for bicycling to, to take advantage of that. It just requires that we create safe places for bikes, like dedicated spaces for bikes to participate while they don't, while being safe from motor vehicles and other hazards. Um, We also saw that like personal safety was a greater concern now than in 2020. And when I say personal safety, I mean, things like being targeted or harassed or mugged or something like that while being on your bicycle riding through. Well, imagine that for women trail runners, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Safety issues have always been an access issue for outdoor. And, you know, we think that DEI, like diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts have to address some of that. And we just need to continue to address safety issues in the outdoors perpetually. We're always going to have to deal with that. Sometimes because sometimes humans are terrible. And basically that's kind of a, a good way to put it. I uh, thought I was a bummer. You, yeah, no, <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. Safety issues are, are going to have been a perpetual issue outdoors. I think overall and outdoor, the things that I'm worried about, I think I'm still worried about inflation. I think that that has the potential to, to damage the market. And if you, if you can't afford to yeah. get the stuff that you need to have a good experience outdoors, then you probably aren't going to do it. You know, there are certain places in the market that I expect to expand because of because of inflation, because of that, that will hopefully um, deal with some of those access issues, including, you know, the secondhand market. We, we mm-hmm. talked a lot. We spent a lot of time talking about secondhand. Yeah, uh, I got I've, I've been getting a lot of questions about the secondhand market lately and about upcycling and about you know what it means to bake that amount of sustainability into a business model and how that's I- working. I so think we did think, an episode on the secondhand market in like November, but yeah, like it, it, all these topics weave together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I mean, you can't extract, you can extract one variable and look at it really closely, <laughs> but you know, in the end it yeah. always has to, it always has to go back into the hopper. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> it, it will be interesting to see how all of these things play out and, and on bike, I mean, has that, I was thinking that I saw more people sort of hop over to gravel because of distracted driving and the the new hazards. Has the rate of injury to bicycle riders remained the same, gone down or gone up in the past 10 years? You know what? It's so hard to measure. The, the data that we have are typically limited to fatality data. And that's the most extreme case. Data related to Collisions with vehicles and collisions with other cyclists are really, really limited, and they're not uniform across um, reporting groups. So, like, that's not uniform across cities or, or states. And so, that's an area where we really have an, a gap in our understanding. But I, I do know that fatalities have increased since before the pandemic. 
Yeah. Well, that's not good. And I worry about it on the road on a bike. I only uh, ride gravel. And yeah. unless there's a big group of us going out on the road, I'm just on gravel now or, or you and, know, single track stuff. But And the reason I'm bringing this up is it brings up a sort of a different aspect that we that I'm sure we'll talk about in a very, very near to us episode. Um, we need to talk about how the market adjusts in in situation in which barriers are are placed in front of participants. And in in the case of gravel bikes, you know, the the sort of perceived, real or not, lack of safety on the road that was that's been driven by increasingly um difficult situations with distracted drivers actually created an opportunity in the market and an yeah. opportunity for a new way to participate. And I think just talking about participation to make it more interesting. Yeah, you know, it's going to stay about even, maybe maybe go down one or two percentage points and then start and then go back up and stay pretty even. But what I'm really looking for is that kind of innovation because we've got a changing mm -hmm. society and I'm going to be looking at new participation. I mean, look at how fast pickleball's been around for 15 years, but all of a sudden everybody's talking about pickleball, right? If yeah. I'm a, I should be playing pickleball. I love pickleball. how often you bring up pickleball. <laughs> I love pickleball. I'm going to get a pickleball tattoo and start playing pickleball because, you know, middle-aged white woman, why wouldn't I play pickleball? But I'm, I think that we're going to see some innovation, not only in terms of what we're seeing in the market, but also in the ways people are participating in activities from yeah, electric yeah. bikes to electric skateboards to pickleball, to gravel riding. We're going to see yeah. a lot of different things. And I think that's the exciting thing that we should be talking about and looking for. In addition to just, you know, bottom line, yeah. Participation is going to be fine, even to, you know, and my margin is going to be plus or minus three. I'm going to start at zero. I'm going to say plus or minus three. That's that's my bottom line prediction for the next three years of outdoor participation. You really turned around the negative, uh, sort of like pessimistic conversation we had for a second and ended on such a great note. That's perfect. Let's thanks. Let's welcome to welcome to watch me shine up stuff and put lipstick <laughs> on it. That's too funny. <laughs> there's um, there's always opportunity, Patrick. I yeah. mean, that's that's sort of how you I would hope. You know, if you haven't looked at the world that way, whenever things are going really shitty, there's opportunity there. You just have to find it. Sniff it out, baby. That's beautiful, Kelly. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time.